Thanks for joining us at Warehouse Church. We would love for you to stay connected, and a great way for you to do that is to simply subscribe to this podcast. You can also stay connected throughout the week by checking out our website, warehousechurch.com, or by visiting our Facebook or Instagram pages. From wherever you are listening, we hope that you are encouraged by this week's message. Most people, how many of you don't like that song? Raise your hand up in the air. Oh, caramba. We'll talk to you after church. I'm sorry. Hey, if you have a Bible, I want to invite you to 1 John chapter 2. You can look at it on version. We're going to have the verses up on the screen. Or if you're like me, bring in your Bible to church. Let me see how many Bibles we have in church this morning. Wave them up in the air like you just don't care. Okay, good job. Hey, if you need a Bible, uh, in our little swag shop just outside of the door to the left side, we bought some Bibles for you at a very, very, very discounted price. Um, I think we're selling them right at cost. Just if you don't have a Bible, they're really good leather-bound Bibles uh, just out in the Swag Center. And we got some summer hats out there, too. So I've had a lot of people ask us for a warehouse church hat. We even have some bucket hats in case any of you are going to the beach this week like we are today. So uh, we want to invite you to have those. Get your warehouse swag. Tell people about the church so they can come here. The message of Jesus Christ and their life can be forever changed. Amen? That's right. So we are so glad you're here. July 4th weekend. We're so glad to have our kiddos in church today. I want you guys to know, because you are going to live through this service with us today, we have blow pops for everybody after church day. Ice cream after church. Let's give our kids a big hand. It's not sugar-free, but it's going to be good, and we're going to enjoy that and have a little time of fellowship after church today. So anyway, we're in this study called... Uh, summer of Love, of course, we're going through the book of 1 John, there's these, uh, the summer playlist, the summer of love, reading through and trying to understand what John was trying to teach us in 1 John. We've talked about the assurance of, of our relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. We talked about the manner of love and how much he loves us. Today, we're going to kind of hit a very, very, and it's, it's interesting, when, when, I'm, when I was putting the study back together a few months ago, and I planned on doing through 1 John, uh, we actually had to, we had to miss a week because of some camp stuff, and the next week we're going to have our camp service along with our baptism, so I would really encourage you to be here for that. I'm really, really excited about that, and we're going to have a big fellowship afterwards, and it's going to be lots and lots of fun. But it's interesting the timing on things, right? The way that when, when you're going through the Word of God like this systematically, and, and, and you, you're, I'm reading through this passage this week, and the first thing that went in my mind was, wow, this is really today. And it really kind of lends this uh, understanding that all of us should have on how relevant and practical God's Word is for all of our lives every single day. And I want to encourage you. I said version a few minutes ago. version is a great, 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 great tool for you to be immersed in your Bible on a daily basis. They'll send you reminders systematically to read through the Word of God. You need it. I need it. We all need it. And that's why we're studying this today. So let me read for you 1 John chapter 2, verses 18 down through verse number 29. And you're going to pick out some things and you're going to go, okay, this is today. I get this. And and we're going to talk about those things today. So here's verse number 18. Little children, it's the last hour. And as you have heard that the Antichrist is coming, even now many Antichrists have come, by which we now know because it's the last hour. They went out from us, but they were not of us, for if they had been of us, they would have continued with us, but they went out that they may be made manifest that none of them were of us. 
But you have an anointing from the Holy One and you know all things. I've not written to you because you do not know the truth, but because you do know the truth and there's no lie and that no lie is of the truth. Who is a liar but he who denies that Jesus is the Christ? He is the Antichrist who denies the Father and the Son. Whoever denies the Son does not have the Father either. He who acknowledges the Son has the Father also. Therefore, let that abide or remain in you, what, which you have heard from the beginning. If, you have heard from the, if, if, if what you have heard from the beginning abides or dwells or lives in you, you also will abide in the Son and in the Father. And this is the promise, that he has promised us eternal life. These things I have written to you concerning which those who try to deceive you, but the anointing which you have received from him abides in you, and you do not need uh, that anyone teach you. But as the same anointing teaches you concerning all things, and is true, and it's not a lie, just as it's taught uh, to you, you will abide in him. And now, little children, abide in him, that when he appears, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. If you know that he is righteous, you know that everybody who practices righteousness is born of him. Boom. There's a lot of stuff in there, and I want to try to unpack it with you this morning, okay? Because what John is talking about here is this idea of false teachers. Now, if you were to think of a false teacher, think of somebody that's a false teacher, we would think about somebody that's oldish like me, would think about what happened in Ghana back in the 70s with Jim Jones. You've heard that phrase before when somebody's manipulating or trying to trick you. Oh, you drank the Kool-Aid, right? That goes back to what happened in Ghana. I'm pretty sure it was in the late 70s when this false prophet gathered a bunch of people from the States. They moved to this country in South America. Is that the, was that the right name of the country? Is it, what, what, do you remember what it was? Is it Guyana? It's something like that. Anyway, it's in South America, some country in South America. And he took a bunch of people down there and they all drank some poison-laced Kool-Aid and they all died because of what this false teacher was teaching them. So when we think of this word, false teacher, I, I think it's very natural for us to think of somebody that's like really, really on the extreme of what we would consider biblical truth, <clears throat> really, really on the extreme of, uh, they're so far away from Christianity, and you think of some false religions today that, that you would say would be the opposite or the polar opposite of Christianity, maybe that's what we would identify a false teacher as, but one of the things that John says in this passage of scripture here is that these false teachers were from among us. They were part of the assembly or that local body of believers and they twisted the words of God. They went out, they took people out from the church and they were speaking into them things that weren't biblically accurate. Now when we say biblically accurate, we think of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ is how you and I can have a relationship with him. If you believe that, say amen. Right? Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and nobody comes unto the Father except through me. So we would believe that somebody that teaches that a, there's a different way to have a relationship with God than Jesus Christ, we would call that teaching false teaching. Would you agree with that? Say amen. Right? So we believe as a church, that Jesus Christ is the only way we can have a relationship with God. But here's the truth, church. There's a lot of different ways that people teach you you can have a relationship with God. Uh, I was 
I did a youth camp in uh, Wales many, many years ago. I was sitting out in front of Buckingham Palace in front of that big statue that's facing, and I was waiting for our group that was with us, and I sat down, and this young man from Turkey sat down next to me, and we started talking, and he said, hey, brother, would you, and, and this is, I'm gonna repeat what he said to me, so don't get offended. He said, uh, do you smoke? I said, no. He says, I have an extra fag if you want one, and I was like, what are you talking about? Because that's what he called a cigarette, right? But he got my attention pretty quickly. I said, no, I'm good, I don't do that, but, but go ahead if you wanna light one up, I don't care. So he started smoking a cigarette and we started talking a little bit and he said, well, what are you doing here? And I had a t-shirt on that had the theme of camp and so on and so forth. I had a warehouse church cap on and we started talking about that. He said, what's really, really good? Really, really good that you're teaching students this. Really, really good. He says, I'm Muslim, but here's what I believe. He says, Allah's great, Muhammad's great, but if you're doing the right thing and you think that's the right thing and I'm doing the right thing and that's the right thing, basically at the end of it, all roads lead to heaven. And that's not true, right? That's false teaching. Now, I didn't say to him, you're a false teacher and condemned with your cigarette. Right? I wasn't a jerk about it. But I went to share with him. I said, well, I want to read this verse to you. And I started talking to him. And he said, well, you believe what you believe. I believe what I believe. I said, would you just let me do this? I said, can I just pray with you that God would show you personally what his truth means? He said, yeah, I would like to know that. So I prayed with him that day. I'll never see him again, I'm sure, because it was such a random uh, confrontation or meeting we had there that day. But it's just amazing how much false teaching and false information is out there about having a relationship with God. So what, what makes a person, or what, how do we identify a false teacher here according to this passage here? So let me just give you a couple things to think about this morning, all right? What identifies a false teacher? Number one is this, a false teacher departs from the well-being or the goodness or the fellowship of the church. In verse 18 and 19, he says, this is the last hour of you heard, you heard the Antichrist is coming. Uh, even now many Antichrists have come. That means false teachers. By which we know that this is the last hour. They went out from us. They were not of us. For if they were of us, they would have continued with us. But then went out that they may, be, they may do something different or be made manifest that none of them were of us. So there's a key phrase in, this, in these two verses, of us. They were not of us, they were not of us. And he uses this phrase to talk about people that were part of the family or the fellowship of God. And this is what John's implying here, and it's gonna be very specific in just a moment. You could go to church and not believe what's happening in church, right? You come in this building and hear the songs that we're singing and what we're talking about and asking you if you agree, say amen, and just, oh, amen, this is kind of weird, right? Do all that kind of stuff, and, and participate. That doesn't mean, just because you're sitting in one of these chairs this morning, doesn't necessarily guarantee that everybody in this room is a believer in Jesus Christ. I'm not disrespecting, I'm not assuming anything about anybody in this room, but you do not have to be a believer to come into this church, right? You could be here, you could be observing, you could be considering it. Uh, I, I can think of many, many times we've had people come to our church for even years and years after they've attended and that God just got a hold of their heart one day and they came up and said, Pastor, I'm ready to invite Jesus Christ to be my personal savior. And I was thinking in my mind, wow, I had no idea. And we really don't know how everybody faces God and, and has a relationship with him if they really do trust in Jesus Christ. And what, what John was saying here, they were, they were here they were in the middle of us, but they went out and they kind of did their own thing, and they actually took some other people with them, 
And instead of drawing people to Jesus like God tells us to do, these false teachers were drawing people to themselves. And, and I, I think it's interesting because I was, I was thinking of this phrase of us because there's, a, there's really this idea of an exclusive relationship when you say of us, right? Uh, some of you know that my youngest daughter, Emily, is with us this weekend and, her, and, and, and we're, we're glad that she's here. We're, we're happy she brought her husband, whatever. And, but we're really, really glad they brought Rudy, right? Her little baby Rudy was with us. And, and that we, Emily and I identified a little paradigm shift that happened in our relationship this week. I went and picked him up at the airport and Emily came out and she was holding Rudy and I went right towards Emily and I just took Rudy out of her hands. And Emily was the second person I hugged, not the first person I hugged. Probably the first time that's ever happened. And, but I still do love you and hope you'll forgive me because you're still of us. You took his name and I'm okay with that, but you're still of us. Ryan, you're of us too. Blah, 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 right? But we're family now, right? And when, when somebody, like next week, when we, some, we see some of our youth, our, our students from youth camp and some other folks in our church, they're gonna make a public profession of their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And they're gonna be baptized. And when they're baptized, they're telling everybody, I am a believer and I am part of this church. And what we're doing is we're, we are accepting. Now, listen, there's nothing spiritual about our accepting them. The spiritual part is that God accepted them and gave him his son to be their personal savior. But we, as a church family, accept them as family. They become of us. Now, if you're not of us, that doesn't mean you're against us, okay? I'm not saying that. But we would invite everybody to be part of our church. If you've not been baptized, if you've not identified with the Lord Jesus Christ, when we do that next week, you can be a part of that. Just see me or my wife or Miss Mary Ann after church today, and we'd be glad to talk to you about how, how that can be a very, very important part of your life. But when you think about this idea of the church that he's talking about here, or even the family of God, there's really two definitions, and this is significant church, there's two definitions of the church itself, of the word church in the New Testament. There's the, there's the big body family of God church, the big C church, which means everybody that's part of the body of Christ, everybody in the whole world that knows Jesus Christ as their personal savior is part of the family of God or the church. 117 times, 118 times the word church is referred to in the New Testament. Four or five of those times it's talking about the worldwide family of God. So you've done this and I've done this too. If you go on vacation, or if you're on vacation now, whatever, if, if, or if this is the first time you've been to our church, but you've been to other church before, you, you have another church family, you are a believer, you know Jesus Christ is your personal savior, but maybe you wouldn't say that Warehouse Church is my home church. That's okay, we're brothers and sisters in Christ, and we are together part of the family of God. I loved when Nick shared the message about the worldwide impact that our church has had in missions and how that all over the world on that Sunday, he said hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of churches are meeting and sharing the message of Jesus Christ because of your faithfulness, because of your commitment to missions, because of your commitment to see the gospel of Jesus Christ be shared to the uttermost parts of the world, okay? That's significant because we're sharing that with brothers and sisters. If you've ever been on a missions trip before, uh, we go to, we've, before, before the uh, zombie apocalypse, Dave, happened, uh, we've been to Guatemala seven or eight times as a church. We've been to Africa. We've been to many, many different places. And even though people look different, talk different, speak a different language, if they know Jesus Christ as their personal Savior, listen to me, church, they are your brother or sister. Say amen. amen. 
Okay, we agree with that. So that's the big C church definition. The small C church definition is the local assembly, ecclesia, the called out group that's called to meet together, and we have a responsibility with one another, right? We have a responsibility as believers to pray for one another. Do you agree with that? Uh, my son-in-law, Johnny, he started, they started out on vacation a little bit earlier, uh, found out this week that his father, John, who was with us just about a month ago, has stage three cancer in his liver. And John Papero, and I've known John for probably 30, 35 years, uh, is a believer in Jesus. Uh, he, can't, he can't get a, a, a transplant, and he really can't even undergo surgery because of some pre-existing conditions that he has. And we're gonna ask you to pray for him because he's part of our family, extended family. Uh, Mark and Janet, who are part of our church, and been coming for six months, maybe even a little bit longer than that. And that, listen, you need to be Janet's friend on Facebook because she has the best garden of anybody in Plano, Texas. She has beautiful, beautiful flowers. They've been posting anniversary pictures all week. It's been really sweet. But they found out this week that her husband, Mark, who's with us this morning, uh, has, has some health challenges coming as cancers come back. And, and, and church, as family members, we have a responsibility to bear some of that burden for this family, Amen. right? We need to pray for them. We need to ask them if they're okay. And it's kind of one of those things like, oh, you know, what do you, you don't, you don't have to be super creative or you might not be a big huggy person like I am, but just letting them know, hey, I'm praying for you. Hey, can we, can we get you some dinner? Keep us posted. How can we, you know, how can we undergird you a little bit and make them understand that we are family and we care about you. That's what the local body's for, right? To meet the needs of this community and to this community of believers. And, and, and you know, it's, it's great. Our church did, I am so proud of what Warehouse Church did in supporting our students to go to camp. You guys were so amazing and the, the amount of money that was raised, the prayers that were given, the excitement that was there, everything that happened, it just felt like Johnny said this to me. He said, when I, when I was talking to him about camp and he was there and this, this, and this, and, 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 and just because you couldn't go doesn't mean you weren't a part of it. Johnny said this to me. I felt like our whole church was with us all week. And that means a lot. A lot of people were praying, sending text messages, doing likes on Facebook and those kind of things because that was, these guys are not the future of the church. They're the now of the church. They're babies of the future of the church, right? And we want to get behind them and pray for them. But I guarantee you, and I'm going to ask you to do this, how many of you this morning have a specific, and I'm not going to ask you what it is, but just acknowledging it with a hand raised, how many of you this morning have a very specific prayer request that's in your life that you're praying about? Raise your hand up in the air. Keep it up. Keep it up, 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 all right? Now, while your hand is up, look around. You see somebody you know that needs prayer. You pray for them because they're part of your local church assembly, local church family. So it's not meant to be an exclusive, we're not trying to exclude the world and say, well, it's us, we're the believers and we're really, really good people and then we have all the false teachers and bad, bad people. No, we have the family of God where we pray for one another, encourage one another, invite people so that they can be part of the family too. There's always room for more, there's always room for more. And we do that all because of the word of God, because we believe that the word of God is our authority. Now, here's where it gets very relevant for today. When you teach something that's against the scriptural principles that have been laid out for us very, very clearly, 
That is false teaching. And I'm gonna tell you what's happening to the church and in our world today in regards to false teaching, okay? We, as a people, and I'm not saying you and saying this in an accusatory way, I'd say all of us need to be very, very careful that we are becoming very empathetic to the message of the world. We really are. Because Christians are told, if you, if you, are, if you don't believe what we believe, then you must hate us, right? If you don't believe what we believe, then you're against us and you're our enemy. And that's not what the Bible says. You look at what Jesus did when he was on this. He didn't tell somebody to go get the woman at the well so they could talk. Jesus went to that woman at the well and he ministered to her. And because of his ministry to her, accepting her the way that she was, but loving her too much to leave her the way she was, very, very significant, that woman entered into a personal relationship with Jesus Christ there that day, right? He taught her the way, the truth, and the life. But that's not what our world wants us to believe. Our country is going crazy right now. It really is. All this stuff with abortion, and you could feel, listen, we all have feelings on it. We all know people that have been affected, impacted. I'm sure many, many people in our church have as well. I'm not judging, I'm not hating, it's a reality. But here's the truth. It's against the Bible. Now, I've, if, if you've lied, I've lied before, so I'm trying to give a little minor sin, right? If you've lied, or if you've thought something bad, or if you said a cuss word you shouldn't say, or if you've taken the Lord's name in vain, or if you've done anything that you know is a sin, a sin is a sin, and that's why Jesus Christ came to this world to, to die so that our sins can be forgiven. But we like judging sins, right? We look at our little sin, well, I don't, it's not that bad, I mean, you know, I only told a lie because I didn't want to make her feel bad, or I only told a lie for this, or I only did that, and we justify, 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 but then we look at this, remember I said about false teaching that's like total opposite of everything that we believe and we trust and this, this, and this, that's false teaching, that's against hellfire, we get all uptight about that, when the fact of the matter is that person's sin really isn't even as bad as your sin because as a Christian, you're supposed to know better. But we judge. What did Jesus say about judging? Judge not, lest you be judged, right? So, so when we understand this, what, what's happening in our world today, we're being surrounded by a culture that's emerged in false teaching everywhere. Gender identification, that's false teaching. Does that mean we're ugly to people that struggle with that? Absolutely not. But that's against the word of God. Um, biblical marriage. It's in the Bible. It's impacted my family, it's impacted your families too. But it's false teaching that we're being forced to accept. The abortion debate, we could go on and on and on and you could walk out of church and say, man, he was really political today. Listen, I'm not, I'm not a verb, if you know me, I'm not like you know, overtly political. I've had people come up to me in this church many, many times. I just can't tell if you're Republican or Democrat. I say, good. I'm all, that's awesome because I don't wanna talk about that stuff. I wanna talk about Jesus and what he's done for all of us. But we have to be careful, church, because it's, getting, it's becoming more accepted and more accepted and more accepted and more accepted and, and here's what's happening. Our world is normalizing all this stuff so that if you don't agree with it, right, then you must be some hokey, fighting, fundy, weird Christian, hating people, blah, 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 blah. And listen, you don't have to hate you don't have to be mean, you don't have to be ugly, but you certainly don't want to agree with. And moms and dads, this is where it's so, so hard. I talk to so many parents, 
one of the conversations I'm having with my children right now that have kids. Dad, what are we gonna do? This is, this is so normal, and this is normal. I said, listen, stuff that you think is normal, my generation thinks crazy. And people that are older than me are going like in their head, their minds are being blown at some of the stuff that's happening in our world today. And this is what I'm trying to help you understand this morning, church, from scripture, not opinion. This is not opinion, it's truth. We have to guard our hearts not to let the world's values or the world system change the way we feel about Jesus Christ and his word, right? We love, we forgive, we're understanding. Don't go out and hold an abortion sign and say it's murder and be hateful. Go help somebody that's going through that decision and pray for them and love them. Go volunteer at a clinic. Go help people that are in need, right? That's what ministry is. We don't have to tell, we're not against people. What we're against is the satanic influence that's happening in our world today. And I know you're going, wow, this is really extreme today. This was written 2,000 years ago and it's so relevant for us today. I really do love you. Don't be mad at me after church today, okay? So, and it, it's okay to disagree with one another. It's okay that we don't have the same standards on some different things, but we can't change what we believe knowing that that's what the word of God teaches us, right? And we have to guard ourselves. And how do we guard ourselves against it? Man, how do we just, I mean, it is coming at us full force 24 seven. And, and sometimes it's so covert that we don't even see it happening to us. Uh, my, wife, my wife and I were, and this is gonna sound like a contradictory statement. My wife and I were watching a TV show last night. All right. We're watching a show called Alone. I love this show called Alone. It's about these extreme guys and gals that go out in the wilderness up in Alaska and they just forage, forage, whatever the word is, off the land. And these guys and ladies are like gladiators, man. They, you know, they're, they're, they're killing beavers with sticks and, you know, and eating their ribs. And, and they're trying, this one guy's like, man, I just want to kill a bear. I want to kill a bear. I'm like, man, if I saw a bear, I saw a bear when I was at Yellowstone last week from like 60 feet away, and I'm hiding behind this lady trying to take my picture of it so I could get up out of there. I'd be so afraid of something like that. But this one guy on Alone said this, and if you've watched some of the episodes, you've seen this. I don't know what episode we're on, if we're caught up or not. He said this, you know what you need to do every day? Sharpen your ax. And he talk, did anybody see it? He, he's hard to talk about sharpening his ax. He said, I got up in the morning today and I'm sharpening my ax. He had a stone, he was spitting on it, it was really gross, and he's got a stone, he's sharpening his ax. He said, can I tell you what I'm not doing? And he's talking to himself into a camera, so he's kind of cuckoo for Cocoa Pops, right? He's sharpening, he says, can I tell you what I'm not doing? I'm not watching TV. I'm not looking at my cell phone. I'm getting my ax ready because I have to cut some trees down today and I've got to go get some food today and I've got to do this and I've got to do this. He said, the best part of being here and being alone is my mind is cleansed from the influences of the world. We don't know if he's a Christ follower. We don't know if he has a, but boy, the wisdom of that, of disconnecting and detaching from wrong influence, and it's on TV, radio, media, da-da-da, social media, it's coming at us everywhere, full force, and we've just gotta say, you know what? I'm not letting that influence infiltrate my home. I'm not gonna do that. I'm not saying yes to that. I'm not gonna approve of that, and I'm not gonna make that a value in my life. So let's move on to talk about something fun now. What else does a false teacher do? They deny the faith. 
1 John 2.20 says, if you have an anointing from the Holy One and you know all things, I'm not written to you because you don't know the truth, but because you do know the truth and there's no lie of the truth. Who is a liar but he who denies Jesus Christ? The Bible says in Romans chapter eight, verse number nine, but you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If indeed the spirit of God, listen, if the spirit of God dwells in you, and that's a question you have to answer for yourself. How does the spirit of God dwell in you? If you know Jesus Christ as your personal savior, Jesus promised us in John 16 and 17 that he would send his comforter, that his Holy Spirit would live inside of us. In 1 Corinthians, he tells us that we are the temple of God. You are the dwelling place of the Holy Spirit if you know Jesus Christ as your savior. He says in verse number nine of Romans eight, uh, if indeed the spirit dwells within you, now if anyone they do not, does not have the spirit of Christ, does not have the Holy Spirit, you don't belong to Jesus Christ. See, here's what he's, he's saying here about these, what do false teachers do? They deny the truth. Now we could talk about all these issues again, right? Issue, 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 issue. What is the truth? That Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And we can't have a relationship with God without him. There is only one way to heaven. There is only one way to an authentic relationship with God. There is only one way for you to have a secure eternity, and somebody who denies that is a false teacher. Number three, the false teacher tries, this is where we have to be very, very careful, and it goes back to the, the previous point that I was talking about. We, the, the false teacher tries to deceive the family of God. Did you know that the Church of the Latter-day Saints one of their primary targets for trying to get people to become part of their faith, you ready for this, are disgruntled Christians. Some of their biggest conversions, if you will, are even with people that claim Baptistic backgrounds or part of the Baptist, uh, the Baptist network or whatever you would call that, right? Why? Because we get disoriented we get frustrated with people. Well, this happened in my church, so I'm not gonna go anymore. Or, this happened over here. And, and what happens is Satan, who walks around this earth like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour, finds the limping deer, finds somebody that's hurting, sends a false teacher their way with spilling all kind of familiar language. There's a lot of familiar language and a lot of different faiths. We have to really guard ourselves. That's why you gotta know the word of God and guard yourself with these biblical truths. And what does he do? He tries to deceive. Verse number 26, I'm written these things concerning to those who try to deceive you. That's pretty direct, right? There's gonna be people out there that are gonna try to deceive you and I. But the anointing which you have received from him abides, dwells, lives, and never leaves you. You do not need that anybody teach you, but as the same anointing teaches you concerning all things, and is true, and is not a lie, just as it has taught you, you will abide or remain in him. And now, little children, this means young believers, this isn't just for kiddos, abide in him, that when he appears, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. If you know he is righteous, you know that everybody who practices righteousness is born of him. So here's three key words, and I'm gonna pray because I want some ice cream too. Three key words, right, that help you guard your hearts against deception. Deception, Satan's not gonna come up to you in a big red suit with horn stickings out of his head with like this big thunderbolt, super, super duper scary thing. He's an angel of light. He's gonna deceive you by things that you're drawn to, okay? 
And what we need to understand is if we're going to guard ourselves against deception, the first thing we need to do is abide. It's important to be part of a local church body. It is. It's important to be part of a life group. Kim and I, starting next Wednesday night, July the 13th, are doing a large life group for every, anybody that's married or getting married, and they wanna be a part of this life group we're doing. It's just gonna be for five or six weeks, and we're gonna talk about marriage stuff. We're gonna go through the five love languages by Gary Chapman, kind of an updated version of it. And we're gonna encourage all of us in our marriage relationships that wanna be a part of that. If you wanna be a part of that, let my wife know, let myself know. There'll be some information on the screen in just a couple minutes when Nick shares announcements of how you can be a part of that. We're gonna enjoy that, We're gonna go, because why? We want to guard and protect our marriages because there's a lot of influences in our world trying to what? Break those things up. And we need to abide and not depart. We need to do that in our marriages, but we need to do that in our relationship with God and not depart from the church. We need to believe and understand that Jesus is coming again. The first word is abide, the second word is appear. Now, when I was growing up, my parents, we, we spent a lot of our summers, at, we, we call it the shore or the beach on the East Coast in Rehoboth Beach, Delaware. And my dad would come every, soon as Wednesday night work was done, he would come and he would hang with us Thursday and Friday and he would get up real early in the morning on Saturday morning and drive home. We had a little beach cabana, it was really, really cool. But Wednesday was the day dad was coming. Dad was bringing hoagies, he was bringing soft pretzels, this is truth. He was bringing soft pretzels, he was bringing peanut butter, he was bringing fresh bread, he was bringing tasty cakes, he was bringing all the stuff my mom didn't want us eating. And when dad was coming, he was bringing a carload of food because my dad had a small grocery store, delicatessen, hoagie shop. But let me tell you something else that happened on Wednesday. Mom knew that dad was coming Wednesday night and she would remind us, if you guys don't stop, I'm telling your dad and he's coming tonight. My dad, you've heard this before, my dad's six foot eight, weighs about 450 pounds, he is a man bear right? And he would flick me and I would go about 30 feet, right? He was very, very strong, very intimidating in his presence. And my mom would remind me, hey, listen, dad's coming tonight. Woo! Mufasa, <laughs> right? From Lion King. Like I would know that he was coming. I would be reminded that he was coming and I wouldn't want to behave because my dad had stuff for me. He would always have a little bit of money and take us to the boardwalk and let us play games. And I didn't want to mess that thing up, right? So our behavior was impacted knowing that dad was coming that day. Your behavior daily ought to be impacted knowing that the Holy Spirit lives with inside of you, knowing that God is watching you, and number three, knowing that Jesus is coming again. Because you know what I want to get caught doing when Jesus is coming again? Uh, and this is super duper selfish and it only really works for this time zone. I'd love to be in church when Jesus came again, wouldn't you? Singing some praises to the Lord, just saying hi to some new folks, got my offering in, I'm all ready to go. Man, this is such a, gone. That's the way I want to go when Jesus raptures the church. That would be really, really, really cool. But you know what else I would like to have happen to me when Jesus comes again? I'd like to get caught doing the right thing. But what I don't want happening is Jesus coming again when I'm mad in traffic. Ah! Or I'm watching a baseball game yesterday and it doesn't turn out the way that I want to and I say things I shouldn't say, Kevin, right? Things like that, right? I don't want to be caught doing, I don't want to be caught with my hand in the cookie jar. And that's what, that, that's what John says here. Your motivation ought to be because you believe that Jesus is coming again. That's why we live right. That's why we guard ourselves against the world because we're abiding in him. And here's the last word he uses. Abide, appear, and don't be ashamed. 
If we abide, we're not gonna be ashamed of when he comes back. What we find ourselves being ashamed of when it comes to church and church culture is, is, is Christian behavior. Because you know what? It is kind of weird sometimes, right? The judgmental spirit we have to guard ourselves against. We have to be so careful We're not because we're not better. And that's such a hard thing to understand. That's wrong. This is right. I'm doing right. So then we get to superiority conflicts. And Jesus says, no, 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 no. That's not what it is. Don't be like that, but don't be afraid to get in the middle of it because I want them to have what you have. But you can't do that if you're judging people. So that's this paradox, right, that we have to struggle through every day. I gotta be in the world, but not of the world. I gotta be accepting of people, but not accepting of what they do. What are you talking about, Ed? You're making me go crazy here this morning. Jesus says keep focused on him, right? Stay in his word. Don't be ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ because it's the power of God unto salvation in everybody that believes us. So authentic Christianity bears the mark of three different things the author tells us. And these are marks of a believer. Obedience, love, and truth. If we obey God, if we love God, if we love the truth, what's the truth do in your life? Such a free, right? So grab onto the truth, believe the truth, live for the truth, commit yourself to the truth, and ask God to help you navigate through some of these crazy cultural wars that we're in today. God, I love this person, but they don't believe the same thing I do. How can I be an influence on them for Jesus Christ? Not by picketing and saying hateful things about them. Maybe by taking a cup of cold water to them in Jesus' name. Maybe by having somebody over for dinner. Maybe by inviting them to church and taking them out to lunch afterwards. Maybe cutting their grass for no reason at all. God will put something in your heart if you ask him to. That's what's gonna influence people to come see Jesus. When they see Jesus in you. Obedience, love, and truth. Let's pray. Thank you for your word today, Lord Jesus. Sometimes, Lord, we read things, and it's not that we disagree, but sometimes they're just hard to hear. Because our world has become such a strong influence, and the system that Satan's building around us, and we hear things from our government that, that feel contradictory, uh, we hear things from people in authority, and, and it makes us question a lot of different things. But the truth is, Lord, we don't need and should never question you. You gave us everything so we can have a relationship with you. And you told us to love people, and it's hard. But the truth is, Lord, I'm hard to love too, and I thank you for loving me. I thank you for loving everybody that's in this room, everybody that's in this world. Help people, when help us to be people that when we are confronted with things that we don't value or agree with, that we're not hateful in our tone, that we're not condescending in our attitude, that we're not judgmental in our spirit, but we are accepting of people the way that they are so that we could bring them to Jesus. And Lord, I can't do what your Holy Spirit can do. That's not my job. My job is not to change a heart. My job is to love a heart. We trust that you can only change people. I can't do that, none of us can do that. So understanding that, Lord, that's very, very freeing. It's very, very freeing knowing that we just gotta love them and let you do your job. And we pray that you'll use us as tools this week to be vessels of obedience, of love, and of truth. And we ask you this today, in Jesus' name, and I'm not gonna say if everybody agrees with me, I'm gonna say this, if you're glad you heard what you heard today, say amen. Amen, thank you very much.